0: Today's episode is brought to you by Launch Process Coffee, located at 584 Tillman. Stay tuned to learn more about Launch Process. The dot Power to the podcast.
1: Yeah, but when you started talking about swapping blood, all I could think about was Keith Richards and the whole, you know, the thing about
2: <laughs> going to Europe, going to and Europe doing, and swapping yeah. his
1: blood out, and I was like. <laughs> Has nobody talked to Keith about any of this?
2: You, have you ever heard about that? I haven't. What? He, he, so <laughs> it's, it's an urban legend. Going back, I, th- I think it's true. I think going back like thirty or forty years, because he's putting so much garbage in his body. Yeah, well, he claims go it's go,
1: not true in his in his tell-all autobiography, but
2: but yeah, it's that being said, I want it to be true. Supposedly, he goes, goes and does yes. blood oil changes in Europe like every so often, just gets yeah. gets a whole new uh,
3: who from. Uh, <laughs> Uh, i don't know well you know the creepy thing there uh, amish children. children the creepy <laughs> yeah. thing there is children would be who you would select because yeah. uh, there's been studies where if you take the blood of young mice and put it into the blood of in replace the blood of old yeah. mice I mean, he's kind
1: of a vampire anyway
3: you it makes sense you actually like get a lot of improvement in muscle function in brain function pretty much everything
0: Welcome to Dr. Heckle, the science communication podcast that owns swag. I'm a star like I'm in SAG. I'm so fab like I'm in SAG, I tote that tech and I hold that Mac. On today's episode, a 930 mile cloud on Mars, cutting edge therapies for multiple myeloma, and how to ensure pandas mate successfully.
3: Welcome to Dr. Heckle, the science communication podcast that hears along with everything else that Donald Trump's claiming, there's actually a few listeners inside that migrant caravan. With me on the show today, with a Bachelor's of Science in Engineering Technology from the University of Memphis, musician Tony Menard, and with a Bachelor's in English and Political Science from UT Knoxville, comedian and filmmaker Robert Rowan. Welcome to the show. How you doing? And of course, co-host Tarip Travetti. Welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> Remembered to introduce you this time. Senna. Now, uh, <laughs> now, Tony, you're you're a musician. Um, you have recently released an album, or rel- well, relatively recently, recently, recently enough, you know, yeah, <laughs> called uh, know Why. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your musical adventures thus far and what this album is about?
1: Um. Well. Well, first off, the title's a play on words. My name is uh, it's Tony Maynard, and uh, it's pronounced like it has a Y in it, but it doesn't, and everybody puts a Y in it. I mean, so anyway, No Y was kind of a fun little way to kind of play with that because I'm constantly, whenever I call anybody about it or anything, they'll, they'll spell the name wrong, and they'll list it. If I'm playing somewhere, it's always listed as M-A-Y. Oh, so that was kind I of was just a little bit of, bit of fun we had with it. Um, that, this This album in particular doesn't, uh, doesn't have so much of a thread as, as some of the other things I've done. I made a previous record uh, in my Cadillac, actually, and that's kind of my current projects are going. I have, a, I have band projects, um, and the band I play with now are all people that played on this record. Uh, we weren't really a band when we made the record. Um, we did a record release show and was like, well, damn, that was kind of fun. So we've been kind of doing some band gigs. Um, and it's called it The Big Old Band. There's eight of us, um, which is kind of a, a mess to get onto a stage. We did the Cooper Young Festival this year, played the main stage. Very younger. nice. That was, that was pretty cool. Like I said, it's it's been hard to find places. We uh, we play Lafayette's uh, on occasion. It's hard to find places to put an eight-piece band in. Mm-hmm. So I got fiddle, mandolin, I got a hype
3: band and a backup singer. My son's <laughs> playing
1: keys. Oh, and it's, yeah, it's awesome. I got Stephen Chopec on the drums and...
3: See so it's just a blast. You said you made an album in your Cadillac.
1: did I I did I did, and actually, I do a um I do a, a, a an almost weekly thing in the Cadillac called Coffee in a Cadillac where I just basically I get up and I put a little beam in my coffee and I just run my mouth and play a song and uh, but I did. I made a whole album in the Cadillac and it was just kind of it's it's a sixty four Cadillac. It's in my backyard. My wife didn't think I was ever gonna do anything with it. I showed her <laughs> Put Christmas lights in there, put a couple microphones
3: did you did you do anything to soundproof it? Or was it just you know, as is? Not really. Um, uh, I got a
1: chunk of uh, rock wool insulation sitting in the back window and I've got some junk stored in there. But I mean, it's it's a huge car and you've got all this cloth and carpet and then you've got the curved surfaces, a lot of chrome things bounce off of. And you kind of accept there's a little echo in there. But we're so used to having, we have so many conversations in cars. We, we spend so much time in cars. There's so many memories attached to cars that it's just such a natural place. I mean, it, so it's a very American <laughs> thing. Um we're we're in love with our automobiles and it's a it goes back generations
3: so that's very cool
0: and i'm I'm
1: a car guy i grew up a car guy um i'm a terrible mechanic but i like cars
0: (laughs) (laughs)
3: well that's that's great i mean uh so uh how did you how did you get into playing music in the first place was it was it something you were born to do or well um i saw my
1: cousins in this hillbilly band and um and the kid with the mullet that played the guitar seemed to be real popular with the girls. So
3: It must have been know. the 80s then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah it was, it that would totally, not be popular it, in it any other area. It was totally era. the 80s, yeah. <laughs> it,
1: was, it was the 80s in Mississippi that basically makes it like the late 70s. So. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I just, uh, it's just something I wanted to do, and now it's, it's more of a compulsion than anything.
3: That's great. That's great. And uh, And, Robert, is it a compulsion, or were you born – to uh, be a filmmaker and comedian tell us about how uh, you got into that and what projects you got going on let's see um i would
2: say it's probably a compulsion i'd also say it kind of keeps me sane and out of trouble <clears throat> um i was originally tracked to be a lawyer in college mm-hmm. and a semester before i graduated i realized that was not what i wanted to do and i saw this documentary called Scorsese on Scorsese where he breaks down like how he got into film and what films influenced him you know a lot of like like neo-italian cinema french new wave um, and it for the first time it was a filmmaker deconstructing the process and I'd never really seen that before I'd seen like behind the scenes stuff but not to this degree and so I moved back to Memphis um, took a year off and started taking classes at u of m uh moved to austin for a year and a half realized that you know i could do it here just as well as i could there so i came back to the year of grad school realized i was wasting my time uh took the rest of my fafsa money and bought some gear and started making films and um it's just been kind of a a process of figuring it out as you go along you know I'll, The first year I did two little short film projects that weren't very good, but, you know, taught me a lot, taught me how to edit, um, how to get resources together. And then um, got into news for a little bit, doing freelance film stuff. Um, And then I got into comedy. The first kind of taste of comedy I did was five years ago, I did this sketch stuff called terror comedy, which is long since people have forgotten about, but it was (laughs) it was a lot of experimentation of um kind of kids in the hall, Mr. Show style, Mm -hmm. sketch comedy. And um I learned a lot in terms of comedy, but also about how to do kind of fly by the seat of your pants comedy. And um right now I'm um the past year I've been dealing with cancer treatment, so it's um s slowed down a little bit, obviously, because you can't, you know, do a lot of pre-production when you're in the hospital. <laughs> but um,
3: But you're still trucking. You're back up at the mics like every week now, right?
2: Yeah, I've been, uh, since I've gotten back, um, I had to do a follow-up treatment in Houston in September. And um, since I got back, I've been doing it, I've probably been up like 10 times at P&H or other open mics and just kind of finally got the bug of comedy because i'd done it before for years but just kind of intermittent intermittently Mm -hmm. um so that's just kind of a, a fun thing on the side but i enjoy performing and coming up with new material every week but the main thing is working on a short film project right now called little green bar which hopefully I'll be able to shoot in February. I just need like (laughs) (laughs) $40,000.
3: Can you, can you say what that's about Uh, at this stage? Or do you not want, uh, do you not want to give it away? Uh, Well,
2: I'm not going to give much away. Uh, It's based on somebody I knew um, who was a friend of mine. And after like a few years ago, it came out that he was like abusing all these women and was very, uh, you know, very bad person sociopathic personality disorder all that stuff but everybody thought he was totally normal and so the film kind of follows him as his mental state breaks down so the first half of the film you think he's a totally normal guy and as the literal film space starts to break down and kind of you know fall apart it's kind of in uh um eternal sunshine out of the spotless mind type of way, you know, reality starts to fall apart around him. You see him for what he is. So, oh. but it's hard to get people excited about that subject matter coming from a white man. So, <laughs> uh, which I've, which sounds like me crying foul, but I've heard from several people like, Oh yeah, you, that, you're not going to get any grant funding for that because, because of this. So I'm just going to try to go find the money someplace and do it.
3: Yeah. I mean uh you could al- you could always play the card you could always play the ca- the cancer card <laughs> I I
2: that that is uh that is definitely a possibility
3: I think I think that <laughs>
2: will my dying I, wish. <laughs> I, I think that will average out my white privilege yeah so it'll uh you know it'll 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 all come out in the wash
3: so so I'll, I'll come on to that cuz usually I you know I try and link something uh into science, mm-hmm. uh, but you've ended up learning effectively a lot about your disease over the past year. Cause you were diagnosed in January, January. Said? Yeah.
2: So I've had, uh, what I have is multiple myeloma. It's a blood cancer, uh, but it also attacks bone and I've had back issues for years. I had a, uh, L three, L four, um, uh, this d- surgery in 2014 and, um, yeah, played high school football. So I, have got beat up pretty good, doing that. Um, so I've, I've constantly had back issues, but never as severe is what I started getting before I got sick. So a few months before I got sick, um, I think it was October. I got some very strange kind of, it it felt like the flu. Just, I was working on a film. We had like a 16 hour day and I went home and just felt terrible, but I wasn't running a fever, but I was sweating. Um, Achy joints, basically all the symptoms of the flu, and that knocked me out for about a week. But I recovered, um, and as December rolled around, as December rolled around, my back started getting worse and worse, and I thought I'd had a um, a double um, uh, herniation in the thoracic and in the lumbar region of my back, the upper and the lower level of the back. So I go to uh, Sims Murphy to get you know, an, an MRI, because I, I'm pretty sure I have a herniation. This doesn't feel normal, but insurance won't cover um, an MRI unless you do six sessions of PT. So all through December, I'm doing physical therapy and it's contained I'll, I'll go in and get treatment and I feel good. But as soon as I leave there, I feel worse than before. And uh, a few weeks before I was admitted to the hospital, I started having these really bad nosebleeds and started to feel very, like short of breath but i thought maybe that the herniation was putting pressure on a nerve which was affecting my breathing somehow i didn't know what it was and um had appointments set up to go to get some blood work done too but i never made it because i you know collapsed you know the night before mlk day and was rushed to the hospital the next day so um and then when they did the mri and they so the, I think my hemoglobin level was like 20%. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, you, kidneys shut down and all that good stuff. So it was, um, and then once they, they have a whole protocol they go through to basically determine if it's myeloma, um, everything was like a check on the box. And then they did a bone marrow biopsy and they're like, yeah, this is, uh, this is multiple myeloma. And then you start treatment almost immediately
3: yeah I, I imagine uh jesus
2: so <laughs> perfect for a you know a whimsical podcast perfect for, yeah.
3: for a comedy podcast uh well i mean you seem to have kept a good uh good head through all of this i mean, i'm sure it was at worse at other times because you, you you're in partial remission now at least right
2: yeah it's it, it's uh the, the levels are are or low and i'm doing maintenance chemo which is going in um pretty consistently until the levels really start to spike again which will happen in probably two to four years
3: right right
2: so it's just keeping on top of it
3: and so at at that point uh you'll be in theory eligible for this car therapy Uh, is that the therapy that Uh, yes you will be aiming for
2: yes uh so there's these and you can speak to this better than i can but they're they have these new treatments called car t um as best as i understand it is basically taking out the blood and specifically engineering it to go and fight cancer like go after cancer cells
3: that that is effectively it What, what you do yeah you take out um take out your t cells and you transduce them typically with a virus that uh encodes uh a t antigen receptor that is uh specific to a uh, basically sp- specific to a certain antigen that would be present only on the cancer cells so in the case of cd19 car uh, cd19 is an antigen that is uh, found on uh many types of uh B so in uh leukemia and uh it was reported for multiple myeloma that actually there was very, very infrequent in expression of CD19 that it wasn't a candidate. But a 2015 New England Journal of Medicine paper showed that in the refractory, uh, the resistant uh, phenotype, there does appear to be uh, B cell expression, even at a low level. And the specific C- uh, CD19 car that's being used and effective is effective when these are, are at low levels so the 2015 paper uh it was a guy who was completely rel- relapsed and it was a pilot uh study just on one patient and they got rid of uh uh 99 point uh so they got rid of uh a complete response despite an absence a detectable absence of cd19 expression on 99.95% of the patient's neoplastic plasma cells so even with why? Whilst they wouldn't have thought it would be a, ca- a candidate, they managed to get a complete response with no evidence of progression. So this is now being being rushed forward, and there are mul- you know multiple groups across the country. But Houston will obviously be one of the main uh, you know main groups working towards this kind of therapy. So uh, it really is like a a new and important field and it goes alongside you know advances in stem cell stem cell treatments perhaps stem cell replacements but at the uh at the moment the car therapy you know you go to a a conference on stem cells and half the talks are about developing cars for different you know different antigens and different tumors uh, solid tumors are far more difficult to go after with this so uh it is uh you're the most likely candidate are those with, uh, with liquid, you know, blood-related uh, tumors.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't have said it any better myself. You took the words right out of my
3: mouth. <laughs> no, <absolutely>. <laughs> well, <laughs> scientists have a different car obsession too. Yeah, <laughs> I see
1: that, yeah. Y'all got any cancer Cadillacs? You can go after these things like, <laughs> with some style.
0: <laughs> the OAMnetwork.com. All original podcasts released weekly in Memphis, Tennessee.
1: Minus ten, 10, 9, 8. We have a go for
0: main engine start. We have main engine start. 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. 0. Launch Processed Coffee is one of the latest specialty coffee roasters to hit the Memphis scene. They serve a variety of traditional espresso and other coffee beverages alongside smoothies and bubble teas, all with a retro sci fi twist. Launch Process is located behind the rec room at 584 Tillman and open every day from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can also find Launch Process Coffee at Laughlin Yard, Rail Garden, Rec Room, The High Tone, and Atomic Tiki. Check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Launch Process Coffee and stop in to get your caffeine fix today.
3: Welcome back to the second section of Dr. Heckle. We move on to our news item of the week. Today's article comes from the bastion of liberal journalism, uh, Fox News. (laughs) And the title of the article is Mysterious Cloud Over Mars, Puzzles Onlookers, Invites Conspiracy Theories. Uh, Would you like to make a comment on the title of that article?
1: Mysterious Cloud Over Mars. Mm-hmm. Is that little Marvin guy involved in this at all? Are we? Is there suspecting?
3: Well, uh, some people might be suspecting, but not, <laughs> not the scientists. Not
1: the scientists? No, are these Fox News scientists? Because they are cutting edge of fair and balanced science.
3: See, Fox News wrote the article. Wow. Uh, and so, so it's a, since 13th of September, 2018, a mm-hmm. uh, visual monitoring camera on board ESA's Mars Express has been observing the evolution of a curious cloud formation It appears regularly in the vicinity of the 20-kilometer high Arsia Mons volcano, close to the planet's equator. That's the uh, third highest uh, volcano slash mountain on Mars.
1: All I heard was high in volcano. I know what that
3: cloud is now. (laughs) (laughs) It is uh, 17,000... 780 meters in yeah, height. Vaping the fuck out of that yeah, shit on Mars. Martians. Compa- Martians and vaping. Compa- <laughs> Compared to stereotypes. Va- vaping, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Compared you to that little
1: Marvin guy, <laughs> like with a little gun he had. You know, yeah. That's that's what it was. He was a fucking vape rig. <laughs> He's huffing robot farts up there. That's exactly what's going on.
3: Okay, so do you want to know what, it, uh, what the.
1: I don't need to know. I already know. He's huffing robot farts. Fox <laughs> News said so. I mean, they didn't say it. They couldn't say it because. You can't just come out and say it. I mean...
2: Well, the f- they, they have integrity.
3: They have integrity. Right. Right. So, <laughs> so It's um, not like they're a bunch of liberal <laughs> goddamn
1: scientists or anything.
3: So the, uh, the Daily Express, uh, also t- a terrible uh, British publication, said that uh, UFO hunters were claiming that these Mars photos were taken and altered to conceal evidence of a massive eruption or explosion, like an eruption of the volcano. So this is... Fox News quoting the Daily Express. No, no, these are two separate, two separate. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <articles> <laughs> I was going to say that's a that's inception. <laughs> Santa Claus quotes <laughs> the Tooth Fairy. Right, that's an inception of
0: crap.
2: <laughs> so, uh, so I, I guess assuming that they're the the conspiracy with UFOologists is that. There's an eruption concealing some kind of UFO mm-hmm. and the government exactly, doesn't want us to know about it. That
3: is exactly That's what the, the conspiracy theorists are. The Martian are. government doesn't want that, us to know? Or, the or Martian. <laughs> okay,
2: we're just asking questions here, guys. I mean, I'm I telling think you, we, we, we I, locked I, it down.
1: I still say it. I stand by the fact that if you go to the base of that volcano, there's going to be a fat guy in a fedora with a homemade <laughs> vape rig. <laughs> That's your cloud. I think
3: the Martians are just in donuts. <laughs> yeah, I think so. They're just yeah. in donuts. So this 930-mile uh, uh, cloud formation, the actual explanation of this is- It's totally a
1: mod, dude. It's a mod.
3: Orographic lifting. And that happens on Earth as well. So when winds hit, winds hit a ma- massive structure, in this case a 12-mile-high volcano, it's forced upwards and uh, it cools and expands due, due to the lower pressure and that water vapor condenses- forms cloud-like structures same thing happens around mountainous regions on earth no you're the crazy one mark (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so uh mars winter solstice happens uh happened on its uh, so
1: is that like raining vape juice or is it snow and vape juice
3: i mean i guess there's the potential for mars rain now that those clouds are formed uh and 930 miles long uh but this this happens every season. It was, it was observed times before, uh, 2009, 2012, and 2015. It's been directly observed happening. And it happens due to uh, the the winter period in that northern hemisphere.
1: Uh, Till Mars has a cycle is what you're telling me. The red planet has a cycle.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, Dr. Tanya Harrison, uh, this is the quote that's been sent around all of the news articles. She's the director of uh, research for Arizona State's Space Technology and Science Initiative said, What possible reason would we have to hide volcanic eruptions on Mars? Heck, NASA has shared plenty of pics of volcanoes erupting on EO and geysers on Encladius, the moons in the solar system. So, uh, actually, the interesting here, thing here was I kind of deliberately duped you. Fox News uh, reported on this completely normally. They they actually got all the fact all the facts right. Um, just because it's a normal because um, it's it's something that would be put out on Associated Press, and then they just take the article, do right. a little bit to it, and put it out. So there's there's nothing actually, I was actually incorrect because you're. I've listened to enough of these podcasts to know that it's usually for fake news, but in the title it says insights conspiracy theories. So I was like wondering how you're going to maneuver yourself into Fox being the fake news uh, so so actually uh you've correctly picked out my uh, my ploy here because Your it's, it's my gambit <laughs> because uh Fox News has escaped the trap it's provided regular news in this case because it's just a normal news article so actually this week twist it's just regular (laughs) conspiracy theorists that we dub fake fake news. news welcome back to our final section where we take a journal article and explain it to our guests today's article comes from the royal society of open science the first author is benjamin charlton the anchor author is ronald swaysgood this comes from the san diego zoo institute for conservation research and the title of the article is vocal behavior predicts mating success in giant pandas so from the title alone what do you think that's about
1: (laughs) fat guys trying to get laid
3: it's uh it's it's about our boys (laughs) doing the work out there
2: (laughs) if you're a panda and have a very nice falsetto you're getting laid all the time
3: boom i think so yeah so (laughs) uh this, this group said that? that although several <laughs> studies had confirmed that that um, m- mammalian vocal signals uh, convey uh, are used to a- attract mates it's far uh, far less is known about how they used to like synchronize that behavior once like a male and female have come into contact like what noise is you know being made uh, being made So
1: they like crooning are they like spitting panda rhymes Do we, what's going on here
3: yeah I mean ju- uh, so. The acoustic cues are likely to give some clues uh, to the, you know, physical attributes of such an animal, such as size, age, uh, gender or hormonal state. Because actually uh, it's been shown before in pandas that uh, the uh, vocalization changes depending on like the androgen levels. So depend- uh, depending on what ca- how, how horny they are, yeah, their yeah, voice yeah. changes. And uh, the panda is particularly interesting because it's typically an asocial mammal. Said
1: pander. <laughs> <laughs>
3: How do you say that? pandering. That was pandering. cheap. That
1: was cheap. <laughs> that was cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I go for the low-hanging fruit.
3: As to some of these pandas. Because <laughs> <as to laughs> <laughs> they're lazy. Exactly. Uh, take what you can bamboo. get.
1: <laughs> if you're a bad tenor, you just take what you can get. I mean, panda ass is panda ass. What are you going to do?
3: So, so, again, they already know uh, from previous studies on this because there have been a lot of studies. There were a lot of references to this that are really paying close attention because, you know, pandas, uh, there, w- there was a risk of them, you know, going extinct yeah. Yeah. at some point. I think they're really are starting to get the hang of it oh, yeah. in China and perhaps San Diego uh, <laughs> for uh, for how to make these pandas breed. Um, and this is actually the reason they're doing these studies is they w- they want to understand it so they can imp- improve the likelihood they'll get successful What happened to the
1: ones that we meetings. have? that they breed the ones in the zoo here? Or were they were like, was that a thing? They tried. They tried? Yeah, it didn't take. It didn't take? <laughs> yeah. You came to, You came to, to Al Green's hometown and you can't get it. Get some pandas to get it together? Wasn't they had too a...
0: much local food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, barbecues. yeah.
1: Got that, got that itis.
3: Wasn't yeah. there a baby one in there like two or three years ago?
1: They were pregnant, but they lost it. They lost it? Yeah. Hmm. Which is common in this town. Yeah. We don't have good prenatal care. That's a fact.
2: I like the idea that a bad Memphis diet made them <laughs> unbelievably not horny. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what it was. Just right, too right,
3: much. Right. Barbecue bamboo just doesn't cut it. <laughs> you, you
1: <laughs>
2: no, po- man, pulled pork, man. Like you said, it gives you that itis. you
1: that dude. You just can't do You it. like, can't, well, can't, can't, can't do, do any panda fucking. Right now. Exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to make little panda bears up in here.
3: Okay, so it's it's already known that uh, the occurrence of vocalizations in both sexes of panda increases significantly during the breeding season. Uh, Do you want to know what kind of sounds they make?
1: If you're going to do it with
3: your mouth, yeah, I do want to. No, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They make a bleat like a sheep, which is uh, supposed to uh, signal non-aggressive intent and promote contact between individual pandas
1: a bleat like a sheep so a ba- baby
3: uh, female giant pandas also produce high pitched tonal vocalizations called chirps almost exclusively 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 during their oestrus period when they're in heat i think is <laughs> a better easier way to estrus Oostrus? estrus estrus yeah, <laughs> yeah I was no. like, that's like right. estrus can we talk more about this, this can we can happening? we
1: can we just drop your film project and Go straight to a panda heat. Panda heat, man. Think thinking about panda heat.
3: Mm. Maybe he did so the, the could be, same story, the but with pandas.
1: <laughs> let's just ditch that thing you were talking about. Let's just, let's, let's go with it. The...
3: Uh, you can still do it.
2: Let's just do it with ex- pandas. With an exploitation <laughs> film with pandas. Yes. Pandas. <laughs> That's, That's how, how you your actual
1: art project.
2: I, I like, I like where your head's at. I, I think so. This is where, I think an audience is going to be able to get behind this. Panda exploitation. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not
3: racist because they're black and white. <laughs> exactly.
1: And yellow. Panda heat. Panda heat. <laughs> uh, both. I got a Wawa pedal that's just ready to go for this man. And I, you know what? I offer you my Wawa pedal. <laughs> I,
3: I, I'm terrified to think what you're going to do with this information. Both sexes also produce barks, moans, roars, growls, and squeals when they interact with uh, with each other, and honks predominantly when they're alone. <laughs>
1: Sometimes Tell you gotta a, honk it when you're alone. Then we all honk it when we're alone. Exactly. I mean, you know, ain't no shame in it. Panda bears do it. Everybody does it. So,
2: so when pandas are beating off, it sounds like outside of my house at six o'clock in the morning in Midtown with the geese Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think it's more of a. <laughs> a <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. <laughs> it's like a sad foghorn. Okay, uh so, <laughs> so there's, there's, so
1: there's, but you know they're barking and growling and and uh, getting it on. Okay, I think we got we got so, something to work here with this panda heat film.
3: Is, so good. So what they were wanting to see was whether because some of these are associated with aggressive behavior, some of them obviously non-aggressive mating behavior. They wanted to see whether the call usage and whether there was a variation in like the frequency and like this kind of vibrato sound that it can be detected with their uh, with their uh, it's
1: like a Lionel Richie Barry recording detectors kind of scale of things
3: yeah so they were kind of they were trying to look at if there was any differences between uh that would be predictive of successful encounter, mating encounters between the the pandas well
1: maybe if you took it from tiny tim to berry white or yeah. non successful <laughs>
3: Tony's going to have so much fun with the Foley. Um, I know. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. So there were 23 adult giant pandas, eight males, eight males, males, 15 females. And this was during the 2016 and 2018 breeding seasons. And they were from six to 18 years old. Now uh, vocalizations were recorded during a total of 21 breeding interactions when a female is placed into the male's enclosure. Uh,
1: that ain't hiding over a baited field.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so when they uh, examined these giant panda vocalizations, they detected the five types of the uh, the calls, the bleats, the chirps, the moans, the barks, and the roars. And they were measuring this vibrato frequency and the duration of the calls. So they saw the... Successful breeding introductions was characterized by bleats from both the male and the female, so sounding like a like a sheep. And that those were uh highly predictive of successful outcomes. Uh female moans were more strongly ex- associated with successful than unsuccessful breeding. That seems to be Yeah,
1: that seems to be yeah, what you're that going seems for right. right
3: there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas uh in contrast, female roars were not observed during the pre-copulatory phase, uh, and it was a hundred percent associated with breeding failure. So, so yeah. she's faking it. So she was she, she's roaring so before it. they get together. It failed.
1: Well, mm. I'd like to offer some advice to that panda bear. Lighten up on your touch, man. If she's roaring, you're just rubbing the thing too damn hard.
3: Well, this is before. Oh, you know, I'm no, sorry, we're, before. Not, we're not. No, no, I'm, not so, even, I'm saying they're no. not even connected. At oh, it's this not point. even connected. This, is, this is when they're it's just like. This is, not this not going is going when they're. You're making sounds at each other to decide, are they, aren't they? Yeah. She's, she is not feeling that, that
1: Dracar Noir or whatever the fuck the panda bear fox piss. I don't know what <laughs> panda bears use to attack panda bears. I mean, uh, to attract panda bears. they like, what's that, like Szechuan sauce?
3: <laughs> and so uh, barks and chirps were also more strongly associated with unsuccessful breeding than it came from the female. So, so if they play hard to get, But. Then, But here's the secret to success. (laughs) The secret sauce. (laughs) The the male bleats. The the male bleats that were produced in the pre-copulatory phase that were successful were longer in duration than the uh, than those produced during unsuccessful. So you got to keep that call going. You can hold that for a long time. You got to
1: hold that note.
3: Yeah. And uh,
1: you know, and I think that I think if if I extrapolate that a little further, I'm, I'm... I'm not a scientist, of course, by any stretch of the imagination, but do have some experience, well, not bear meeting necessarily but uh so the the holding of the note that's that 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 tells me that there's some some lung power there there's some some stand power, possibly some holding holding of the breath power um
3: <laughs> stamina <laughs> stamina,
1: yeah, exactly,
3: and it also uh it may make also, it, it, it's, it's more, its it may make it may make gender more uh, apparent.
1: And then they find out in humans that, 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 you know, guys with bellies are better lovers. I mean, that speaks to capacity. Is that the that that been to, Is that the rumor? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, is that yeah. the rumor that you're trying at, to at push at house, everybody knows. Everybody knows.
3: Uh,
1: but yeah, no, it's, no seriously. It's, so, apparently, your diabetes makes you last longer in, in the socks. So, I knew, right?
3: So, Mark is desperately trying to keep this on track. So, uh, so Roberts, uh, they wanted to next look at the vocalizations at, at different stages of the breeding process. Uh, males produced bleats with a higher mean frequency during the copulation than they did in the pre-copulation phase of successful breeding introductions. But uh, female bleats that were produced during copulation were shorter in duration and had a higher mean frequency. But uh, interestingly enough, there was a phenomena in which uh, females roared only during copulation. So they produced, you know, if they were to roar beforehand, it might, it would mean an unsuccessful breeding. But when the breeding was happening, they, uh, they only roared in a successful context during that process. So that what do you sounds, think of that, Robert? He's <laughs> <Just> ignoring it. <laughs> I think
2: that's her way of just saying like domino motherfucker.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hit, hitting the nail on the head, you know. So, uh, recent studies, uh, you know, recent studies have, uh, elucidated different parts of this process, but I guess this is, uh, one of the first to specifically, uh, look at, uh, variations in, uh, acoustic parameters of panda mating and pre-mating calls. And their plan is, uh, for this to be, uh, to functionally relevant. So like, uh, keepers could figure out very quickly whether a mating react, uh, interaction is going to be successful and then either basically uh, make them give up on that and like switch out you know switch out the partners figure out who was going to be more likely to produce a su- successful mating uh, action and uh that is that is the study uh so now it is up to you two laughing champs to tell me what it is that they found. Uh, what, what, did, what did you learn from me teaching you this study? Was it nothing? It might have been nothing. They, they may have been distracted. <laughs> Pretty
1: hard-headed, so it's going to be hard
2: to teach me much. So basically, if you're a panda and you have the vocal strength to say like a Michael Bolton or like a Maynard James Keenan, then you're more likely to attract um, other females.
3: More likely to, if you have a longer duration, uh, bleat. A, a bleat, excuse me. Yeah.
2: With a higher frequency.
3: Yeah. Well, the frequencies for the males were not significantly different.
2: But, but they were higher for the females when they would. Yeah. And uh, roaring uh, pre copulation was a sign that they were not going to, she was not going to hook up with any of the males.
1: If she's quick on the roar, look for the door.
2: <laughs> the longer the bleat, the better the just, skeet <laughs>
1: yeah that's what i'm talking about see i'm sorry
2: but if she roars during copulation that means uh everything has been achieved
3: yeah i, I guess is she satisfied how well, how probably well, not well I, uh, you're right to say probably not because uh, pa- uh female pandas have a tendency to uh, Aggressively exit from that uh, mating situation once it's done. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Oh man!
1: So, so when you say successful, we mean she got knocked up or she got off? Uh, Because I'm totally on the on the. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the the big thing that the big thing.
3: (laughs) Unfortunately, the big thing that I think the uh, zookeepers care about is whether the guy whether the guy panda gets off.
1: So nobody cares about the, <laughs> really? the lady panda's orgasm. I mean, that's really where the problem starts. Yeah. Why is she responsible for her orgasm?
3: Uh, if he's that, doing his panda
1: job. I'm just saying. I yeah. think I
2: think an issue is that we need to start considering the female panda orgasm, and that it's a critical part of panda mating.
1: You're going about this yeah. backwards, man. That's what I'm saying. They're going about this backwards. Why, right. you know.
3: I think four guys around a table talking about the importance of female orgasm is now doth protest too much.
1: <laughs> well, it could be, could be, but that being said, I mean, I think there you'd have a whole lot more, lot less roaring and um uh, and bleating and, uh, and in a bad way if... Um,
3: they wouldn't be so know. endangered. If, yeah, exactly. If you they know. just cared more about the female.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, hey.
2: So as soon as as, as soon as it's done, she just tears us out of there. Uh,
3: so sounds like my dating life, quite, am I right? Uh, <laughs> the, the one Hunter, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So uh, I think you, you've you've got the main uh, the main grasp of the paper. But one thing I will draw your attention to before we uh, finish up is I, I I read this paper and Figure Two of this paper is a disgrace. It was simply labelled a successful breeding interaction and was just two pictures of panda's <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Panda porn. That was figure two. What journal is this? So I mean, th- this is in uh, like, Royal had, like, Society like of, of Open Science. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. good old
0: Royal Society.
3: The Royal Society of Open Science. And it was, there was no need for that.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> that, a little excessive. That's for know. the
3: repressed was, British man. That was for the authors only. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, so I think he, I think you did a great job there. But uh, as uh, as is custom on this show, we uh, make our guests give us a little bit of information. So I have asked each of you to bring a fact with you today. So in the flood of nineteen
2: twenty seven, um, the amount of flooding was so severe.
3: Is this in Memphis? This
2: is in the Mississippi yeah. Delta. Okay, so. It, and the delta is not a literal delta it's basically just the, the lower mississippi valley <clears throat> i don't even know if this is scientific fact but uh the, the the water was there was so much water coming down the mississippi um for instance like in the the flood of 2011 i think it was 800,000 gallons of water per minute coming down when the flood of 1927 happened is like two and a half million so when the the Barriers or the uh, levees broke all, you know, in Arkansas and Mississippi. There was literally a 100-mile long, 50-mile wide, 15 to 20-foot deep lake in the middle of the United States. And it would have actually flooded um, from Memphis. It would have flooded all the way to Little Rock if it weren't for Crowley's Ridge, which is this, like, ridge that kind of juts out of the ground halfway between here and Little Rock. Oh, wow. So... Uh, yeah, geography I think, pretty fascinating. That's in
3: insane. Is that the same flood that formed Mud Island? Um, well, Mud Island was artificially built up. There was part of it already there. Well, yeah, the, the I think there was so much the, water coming down. It the Mississippi went backwards and it formed yeah, but was like, before, uh, before formed formed the of engineers. The river flooded. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That,
2: that was um, yeah, that was the eighteen eleven, eighteen twelve earthquake. Right. Okay.
3: Yeah, the
1: one when real yeah. foot formed, right? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. when the river ran backwards. Yeah.
2: Right. And then it fled. But,
1: but I mean, before the oh. Corps of Engineers, the river flooded I mean, roughly every ten years there was yeah. just a catastrophic river flood. Until right. They started trying to figure out, you know, Christ, what do we do with this? Yeah. Yeah.
2: But they built up, you know, they those floods are necessary to build up natural levees and bluffs. And when you start to make it man made, then it just is gonna stack up the, the silt on the bottom. Uh, the the level is eventually going to rise.
1: Well, there was another thing. Is it, it,
2: this as, is so exciting? Yeah, the,
1: yeah. Now we're getting. <laughs> I'm, we're getting I'm into actually. It anyway. I'm, is, I'm fascinated by well, this. I have a, I have a song that's yes, a story that takes how place did we go on during to the 2010 flood. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but but one of the things that was interesting is that they they um they didn't want people. They didn't want the farm workers to leave. So they were impressing them into service to make uh, sandbags to shore, to shore levees up. But one reason they didn't want the workers to leave is they knew they wouldn't come back. And they knew that flood was going to dump some of the best soil to ever farm on. You know, once the waters receded, all this great soil was going to be right there for them to farm. And if the workers left, they wouldn't have a cheap labor force. So they basically people were, some at gunpoint, forced to stay. Uh, rich people bought.
2: Most of them at gunpoint.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically you could just be walking on the street and they'd say, surprise, motherfucker, you're
2: filling sandbags until you die. So, oh, wow. That's yeah. actually what led to the, the mass diaspora. Migration of African Americans out of the South yeah. into Chicago, Detroit, Memphis, uh, Los Angeles, Washington, New York—that great migration out of the South was because of the flood.
3: Oh wow! So, um,
1: man, you just touched on one of my like favorite dark things to
2: talk about. There you go.
3: <laughs> well, that's a perfect point for us to bring it close to the show, and of course, I will allow you to plug whatever you've got going on. Uh, so. Tony tell us what you've uh, what you've got to plug today.
1: I've got a couple of records out. Uh the big band is making a record It's not out yet, but if you jump up on the Facebook or the the internet, you can find me. It's Tony Maynard M A N A R D T O N Y. M A N A R D. There's no Y in Maynard even though it is pronounced. Um tonymaynard.com, Tony Maynard Music on Facebook. Uh roughly every week I do a video from the Cadillac. I, I tell you a little tidbit of something, I sing you a song. Um it's about as ridiculous as I am all the time, so um, no surprises there. But, yeah, if you want to, like I said, jump up onto Facebook, you can You can find me. It's probably the best place. Keep up with where we're playing at and um, uh,
3: everything that's going on. Perfect. And, uh, Robert, have you got anything to plug? Sure.
2: I uh, just finished an experimental short called P&H Madness. I uh, just put it on YouTube. It's just something I finished when I was doing cancer treatment, uh, getting back into comedy, and uh, – Right now, I'm doing a bunch of pre-production on a short film called Little Green Bar, which I'll hopefully be able to shoot in January or February of this next year. So, funding, uh, funding is needed. So, I just got to get that together.
3: If you have any money, and you're a big, hotshot producer, <laughs> give it to Robert Rowan, please. <laughs> and uh, and that's uh, that's it for today's show. So, thank you very much for uh, for thank being a guest. You did a great job, and. That's all. Good night. Night.
0: Dr. Heckle is an OAM Network production. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and OAMNetwork.com. Your host was Mark Brimble. Guests were Tony Maynard and Robert Rowan. The show was produced by Mark Brimble, Hunter Sandlin, and Gil Worth. Special thanks to Lauren Riggins and the Surf Memphis Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or like to get in touch about appearing on the show or topics you'd like us to cover, email us at drhecklepod at gmail.com. The Network.com. Power to the podcast.